Good morning, Joy Christian Center and anybody else listening. Um, let me start. go ahead and start us out with some prayer real quick before we get started. Lord God, I thank you for this day. I thank you for everybody that's listening. I pray that you will, as I always pray, let me get out of the way so that your message of love, your message, your, your heart, your power can break through even this audio recording, break into through the speakers of those listening and into, the, into their hearts. And may you also open the, the hearts of those listening, give them ears to hear and eyes to see and hearts to receive what you would want to say. I pray you would calm everybody down right now, including myself and everybody listening. Calm us all down. Allow us to be, uh, uh, relieve us from the burdens of this week, from the things that, have, that are burdening our hearts that might block us from hearing what you want us to say, what you want us to hear. We thank you for you and that you are with us every step of the way. In Jesus' name, amen. So if you're listening today, um, it might be just because you're part of our church at Joy, and this is what you do. You listen to the sermon once a week, or it might be because somebody you loved reached out to you and said, hey, I want you to listen to this. Or it might be because I reached out to you and asked you to listen to this. And the reason I might do that or somebody you might do that, somebody you love might reach out to you to listen to this message is because this is a message that is of the utmost importance. This is a message that speaks of hope, but also speaks of a warning. And we're in times right now where scary times, I mean, if we're, if we're really honest, it, it's a situation right now with COVID-19 and the, the COVID, uh, coronavirus where times are shaky. Things are, there's so many unknowns and people are feeling the weight of that. So for that reason, somebody's reached out to you to listen to this. So I want to encourage you, please try to hang in there to the end of this. And, um, I hope you can receive the warning, but also the, the hope that lies within this message. So as, we, as I already started talking about, the reality is, is this time we're living in right now is like none other that we've ever experienced. This coronavirus is, has attacked this world not only um, in regards to causing people to get ill, but also it's affected us in our hearts, in our emotions, on so many different levels. It's, there's people out there um, and around you, maybe you yourself who have, have lost out financially, maybe lost your job, um, definitely lost connections, just being secluded in the home for long periods of time, potentially even. And my condolences, I send my condolences to you. If you've lost someone, this is a time of uncertainty and of pain for so many. Loneliness is even kicking in for so many and depression and anxiety and, and fear. And it is for these, this very reason, these serious times that, that I, I, I want to offer you this message of hope. My heart goes out to you. My heart breaks for you, breaks for the world as we're all dealing with the heartbreak of what's going on in, in our own ways. And this message today, I, wanna, I want to turn our attention 
actually away from the coronavirus and to a different virus, to a virus that you may be aware of or you may not be aware of. And it's my goal that through this time you'll become fully aware of this virus and that you will take action against it. So this virus that I'm speaking of is an ancient virus. What I mean by that is it's been around not only for days, months, decades, or years, but actually for centuries and even thousands of years. This is a virus that's been around forever, and it's, it continues to devastate the world, even though it goes under the radar and so many people don't see it. And before you're thinking like you're about to hear some guy give you a conspiracy theory, I want you to hear me out. Just, just stick, stick in there. Um, so the backstory is this of the virus. Thousands of years ago, as far back as we, we know humans to, to exist, there was a father and his children. And the father, like any good father does, told it, explained to his children what to do, what not to do, what to eat, what was poisonous, where to stay away from, what was dangerous. And like children do, they disobeyed their father. And they went out and ate from uh, a tree that they shouldn't have eaten from. And ultimately, they were infected with this virus that I'm talking about. This virus, though, was more is and was more intense than any virus that existed. The rate of infection was worse. The symptoms were worse. The outcome, the prognosis was worse. And the virus caused, in fact, this is basically the virus from which all other viruses were birthed that we know of. And still to this day, as I mentioned, it's under the radar. Much of the world doesn't even acknowledge it or realize it exists. And, and some do even know it exists, but don't pay any attention. It's under the radar. But my purpose today, and what I hope to do is, as I expressed, warn you, give you insight, give you, give you knowledge about this virus, but also give you hope. So with that said, I'm going to read from Romans 5, 12 through 21, but I will be skipping a few verses just for the sake of time and for the sake of clarity, so you don't get, get um, confused with any uh, other verses. So Romans 5, 12 through 21, and again, I'll, I'll guide you through the verses I'm reading, starting with 12. When Adam sinned, sin entered the world. Adam's sin brought death. So death spread to everyone for everyone sinned. Verse 15. But there is a great difference between Adam's sin and God's gracious gift. For the sin of this one man, Adam, brought death to many. But even greater is God's wonderful grace and his gift of forgiveness to many through this other man, Jesus Christ. And the result of God's gracious gift is very different from the result of that one man's sin. For Adam's sin led to condemnation, but God's free gift leads to our being made right with God, even though we are guilty of many sins. For the sin of this one man, Adam, caused death to rule over many, but even greater is God's wonderful grace and his gift of righteousness. 
for all who receive it will live in triumph over sin and death through this one man, Jesus Christ. Yes, Adam's one sin brings condemnation for everyone, but Christ's one act of righteousness brings a right relationship with God and new life for everyone. Verse 20. God's law was given to, I'm sorry, God's law was given so that all could see how sinful they were. But as people sinned more and more, God's wonderful grace became more abundant. So just as sin ruled over all people and brought them to death, now God's wonderful grace rules instead, giving us right standing with God and resulting in eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. So, in regards to this virus, you might be asking, what is the relevance of this passage that you just read? What does this part of the Bible, this passage, have to do with this virus you're talking about? Well, I want to suggest that it has everything to do with this virus I'm talking about. It deals with the origin of the virus, the type of virus it is, the symptoms. It acknowledges the symptoms of the virus. It even deals with the transmission rate, the extent of the spread of the virus, in other words. It discusses at least one test in, reg in regards to how to check for the virus. It even deals with the prognosis, um, the results, like, like the, the outcomes of the virus, and also the cure. So to break that down again, the origin, the type, the symptoms, the transmission rate, tests, prognosis and cure. I know that sounds like a lot to do in this short time, but bear with me. I'm going to power through it. I think it's important for us to see all of this. So let's jump right in. Origin. Where did this virus originate? Where did it start? So if you read the Bible before, you're going to know what I'm talking about. And you might already know uh, by the story I told earlier. The, the ground zero as it is, the origin, the original spot where this virus started was the Garden of Eden, where God created humanity, where Adam and Eve lived. And the patient zero, as they call, call them, the, the first infected were Adam and Eve. Verse 12 actually talks about Adam being infected or Adam sinning. So the story I mentioned earlier about the, the, the origin of the virus, where it started, the father that I mentioned was God. And God is represented in the Bible as our father. The children were Adam and Eve, and they disobeyed their, their father, God, bit from the fruit they were told not to eat from, and they were infected by this virus. So moving on to the second thing, the type of virus. What type of virus is this? Well, let me clarify, I'm not talking about virus as we think of them in our day and age. As, you know, for example, the coronavirus. I'm not talking about a virus that we get sick from physically, um, from like a flu or anything like that. I'm talking about a spiritual virus. It's a spiritual virus. And, and to be honest, even the Bible doesn't explicitly talk about this as a virus, but I believe the terminology fits well. So if you can follow me through, I, I think you'll see where I'm, where I'm coming from here. It functions in so many ways like a virus in the sense that it infects, it, has, it infects the individual, it's, it has symptoms, it spreads, and it even, as we'll get to later, takes lives. So 
whether you like the terminology of, of virus or not, bear with me. I think you'll, you'll fo- be able to follow me well. And if that, that doesn't sit w- well with you, I think maybe you can at least agree with me that, that the, this virus that I'll be explaining more about is at least clearly an infection. It's an infection that infects humanity, that infects people. So I'll be using those terms, virus, infection, and maybe even illness interchangeably as we talk. But as we think of the type of virus, as I talk about it, I'll also, uh, you could offer a name for the virus, and the name of the virus is sin. Sin infects us. Sin is the, the name of the virus, and the core behind this virus is evil. So it's sin and evil. The, the, the virus at its core is sin and evil. So keep following me here. Following me here. We're going to jump now to the symptoms of the virus. So the symptoms of the virus are how this virus plays out, right? It's our it's our how this sin and evil within us those who are infected that is plays out through actions, thoughts and feelings that hurt others, God or the person themselves who is infected. Some might know this as sin, right? Sin is often understood as people who are thinking things, doing things that hurt themselves, others, or God. Some examples, if, if you're not tracking with me, the symptoms of the virus are lies, even white lies, stealing, lust, murder, greed, envy, hate, prejudice, injustices, racism, murder, and the list goes on and on and on. I could spend probably hours listing these, unfortunately. The, the symptoms of this virus are vast. But it all comes down in large part to selfishness and rooted in evil, rooted in, in evil, rooted in, in maliciousness. And all these act- actions, whether small white lies or to murder and beyond are all on the spectrum of evil. So those are the symptoms of the virus. The transmission rate of the virus is clearly articulated in the text. When I say transmission rate, I'm talking about the extent of the virus, how it's spread, the extent of the spread of the virus. So verse 12 literally says it spreads to everyone. The sin that started with Adam has spread to everyone. And that sin in verse 21, ruled, ruled over all people. So the transmission rate, as far as the Bible is concerned, and not just here, but in other areas of the Bible, talks about how everyone has become infected. Since Adam, every human being has spiritually inherited from, inherited, sorry, inherited from generation to generation this spiritual virus or spiritual infection of sin and evil. It's lurking within them. And, and the reality, whether you're on board with this or not, whether you believe this or not, you yourself have been or are still infected. <clears throat> and that depends on whether you've been cured of this sin virus, this this uh, spiritual virus or not. But everybody is infected at birth. 
maybe you don't agree you are infected, but how can you be sure? So, so the reality is that our, our verses we, we read today, this passage actually talks about a test that tested humanity, that tests humanity to know whether they are infected with this virus or not. So the Ten Commandments, if you know, if you're familiar with the Bible, you'll remember that um, this 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 uh, individual of God from a long, long time ago, God gave him these ten rules that people should and shouldn't do as kind of a litmus test, a a, a test to know if people were um, had this virus, were were infected by this sin condition. Verse twenty of the passage says. God's law was given so that all people could see how sinful they were. So that this law basically enlightened people, uh, brought to light how sinful people were, how infected they were. Um, the, for example, the Ten Commandments talked about not, do not murder, do not commit adultery, don't lie, don't steal, don't take God's name in vain. Don't serve any other or worship any other God except God, etc. So this was like the the standard, the litmus test of the past. And it proved that everyone has been infected by this. But, well, well, let me say this as well. And the purpose of the Ten Commandments was not only to prove everyone's infected, but also that they needed a cure. But some still doubted. And still doubt to this day that, that, that they're infected. So Jesus came along about 2,000 years ago. And being God, being fully God, but also coming down as the son of God, as, as, a, as fully human as well. He came to, for, for a few reasons, one of which to give us clarity on some things through his teachings. And one of the things he did was he brought clarity and he brought clarity to the Ten Commandments, but also he gave us a new standard to test for whether or not we are infected by this spiritual virus, this sin infection. So in Matthew 5, Jesus was teaching about anger. And he basically breaks down, if you read, you can read on your own, Matthew 5, 21 through 22, He basically says that if you're angry at a brother, you've basically committed murder. So the, whereas the, the people before that thought they didn't, weren't infected with this virus, in essence, weren't sinning if they didn't commit murder. He's saying, even if you are angry with someone, you're sinning. In like manner, he teaches in that same chapter, Matthew 5, about about, um, adultery. Prior to Jesus' teaching, people thought, well, if I don't sleep around when I'm married, if I don't sleep with another person, have sex when I'm married with another person, then I'm not committing a sin. But Jesus says, anyone who even looks at a woman with lust has already committed adultery with her in his heart. So Jesus refined 
the test to know whether we are infected or not with this virus. He made it more sensitive of a test, more accurate of a test, and, and clarified that everyone, everyone is infected. Um, the Bible says in Romans 3.23 that everyone has sinned and fallen short of the glory or the standard of God. So we are all infected or we all have been infected at one time or are still infected. And this, these tests prove it. There are, however, those who are obviously infected by this virus of sin and evil and those who aren't so obviously infected. And I think you'll be able to agree with me on this. The obviously infected are those who show many symptoms of sin and evil, doing horrible things, bad things to, to people or humanity. And, and an obvious one, we could, we could break them down into malicious murderers, um, people who take advantage of others in, in, in horrible ways. But just to give a name, to put a name to the concept, Hitler. Hitler's like the stereotype for all evil in humanity. So there's those who are obviously infected, the, the extremes being people like Hitler, and those who don't, there are those also who don't seem infected at all. You know, it's, it's interesting in, when we think about the COVID-19 virus, there are those we've learned who are considered carriers, or to use a fancier word, asymptomatic carriers. People who have the coronavirus, but have no symptoms at all. Who carry the coronavirus, but have no symptoms at all. And that's what I'm talking about when I say that there are those who don't seem infected by this sin infection, by this spiritual virus. There are those in the world who are really good people. Don't do bad things, generally speaking, um, and maybe you yourself fall into that category. Maybe you are a super good person. You don't generally hurt people. You have good intentions and you love and do kind things and not malicious things for the most part. But I want to say that even those who are like that, good people, as we would call them, they can be carriers, asymptomatic carriers, where they have the virus but don't show the symptoms. And I want to suggest to you that that actually can be worse. And I don't mean worse in the sense of worse for humanity, because in the earth, obviously we want as many good people on earth as possible to, to, to help all the bad that's going on in the world. But what I mean by the, the fact that it can be worse is if you are asymptomatic carrier, if you don't have any symptoms, you may not know that you have the virus. And that can end up hurting yourself and others. And the illness, this virus, this spiritual virus, can sneak up on you in the end. Some examples of this, I don't know if you'll need them, but some examples on a tangible physical front for example, is the high blood pressure. High blood pressure is known as the silent killer. Sometimes it has no symptoms at all for some people, but then it sneaks up on them and they have a heart attack or a stroke. 
and their life is done. Their asymptomatic, or I'm sorry, the fact that they have no symptoms um, actually was worse for them because it didn't allow them to confront the issue and get the help they needed, the cure they needed. Similarly, cancer often, there's um, types of cancers where you can have no symptoms until the doctor says, you go in for a routine checkup and they tell you, we are sorry to tell you this, but you don't have long to live. You have cancer. So having no symptoms and being a good person, not showing signs of sinfulness and and maliciousness or evil, not showing signs of this sin infection that infects everybody at birth can sneak up on you in the end. And we'll talk about that in a minute. And this is what I mean when I speak of sneaking up on you. The prognosis, as we transition to the prognosis of this virus, this spiritual virus, the prognosis, what is going to happen to you ultimately is death. So you need to know, even if you're asymptomatic, even if you're a great person, you need to know that you at birth inherited a spiritual virus that dwells within you that is at its essence sin and evil, even if you don't show symptoms. So, so hang in there with me. This is, this is all going to tie together in a bit. So the prognosis, as I mentioned, of the spiritual virus is death. Verse 12 of the text we read today says, When Adam sinned, at the beginning, when Adam sinned, sin entered the world. Adam's sin brought death. So death spread to everyone, for everyone sinned. And verse 21 uh, carries on that same concept and says, Sin ruled over all people and brought them all to death. So this very serious spiritual infection, spiritual virus, has 100% mortality rate. And there's two ways that this goes down. Physically, and here's the big one that many people don't think about, spiritually as well. So we all know that everyone has a day when they will breathe their last breath. This reality is, is for everyone. And the, the, the very difficult thing is that right now we are seeing that more in our lives than ever. We're seeing that more in the news. And if you're like me, who, who has a loved one who has passed away recently, somebody close to my family, you too are feeling the effects of this reality right now, that life is fragile. We're realizing how fragile life is and how, how life is fragile and we're never promised even next week, even tomorrow. 
But beyond that, beyond that, there is also, in regards to this spiritual virus and the prognosis of death, there is a spiritual death that I also want you to be very aware of. In this spiritual death, there is a separation from God and all his blessings. That's the essence of this spiritual death. This started from the very first person or first two people that contracted this virus, this, in, this sin infection that, that overcame them. Adam and Eve, as they were in the Garden of Eden with God, God had to, once they became infected, banish them from the garden and banish him them from his presence. Now, this was the last thing that God, Father God, wanted to do with his children. But God is without any sin, without any evil, and fully perfect and pure and clean and holy and he, this and sinfulness and evil cannot exist in the presence of our God. So we, as those from birth, we are infected with this sin, inherited from Adam and Eve and every descendant since then all the way to us. And we are therefore separated. Spiritual, our spiritual death is separation from God. And that's, that occurs in this life until we find a cure, until we are cured. And also, this spiritual death happens through eternity as well. So, the Bible explains that, that there is a life after death, after the after we leave these mortal bodies, that there is a life. In fact, the Bible explains that everybody is an eternal being. We are all eternal. We all live from the time of birth to forever. But there are two places where we will spend eternity at. One of two places where we will spend eternity. One is with God. In heaven, for those who have found the cure and have re received the cure for this spiritual infection. And then for those who have not, who are still infected, they will transition from this physical life to eternal life separated from God. Again, that spiritual death separated from God. And as much as it hurts to talk about this and as much as it hurts God that this is the reality that those who are infected and end up spending eternity away from God will be with all those all others who are infected including the demons and the devil in hell and that is the essence of the warning of this virus. This virus can ruin our lives in this life, but it can allow us to end up in eternal judgment as well if we don't find and accept the cure that has been given to us, provided to us by our God. So our 
The place that we live for eternity depends on whether we have been cured of this illness. So let's transition now to the cure. So the cure for this illness has been something that God has planned since the beginning of time, since ever since that this infection made its way into Adam and Eve and into every person since then, God had already had a plan to bring us the cure. And he was waiting for the the perfect time to bring this cure. So it had the most effect, effectiveness on dealing with the virus. So his love for for his children, his love for you caused him to, to offer this cure to us. And he wants you back. He wants you in his arms. He wants you in his family. He wants to bless you. He wants you for eternity because he loves you so much. So he offered a cure. But the reality is there is not many cures. There is but only one cure that can save us, that can heal us. So we've, we've learned from COVID-19 and from the coronavirus um, that, there, that in regards to vaccines, they often, the, the scientists will get antibodies from people's blood. In other words, they'll go find people who have already been infected and healed from the coronavirus and they'll pull antibodies from their blood in order to use them to create a vaccine. So it's interesting because we in our physical world here, we find cures to illnesses often through blood. And it's again interesting because this is also true for us spiritually. That the cure for our spiritual virus, our spiritual sin infection is also found in blood. It's found in Jesus' blood. But it's not that we need antibodies from his blood because that wouldn't work because he actually never was infected with sin. He was never infected with evil. He is the only one who has ever walked as a human, but obviously he is fully God as well. He's the only one who has ever walked as a human that, that has lived pure cleansed and never infected by this virus. So Jesus' blood is pure, completely pure. And he, his blood, as the cure for us, it cleanses us completely. It has the capacity to cleanse us completely. So the only familiar concept I can think of to explain this uh, simply right now, because everybody's sanitizing everything, right? We're hand sanitizer, sanitizing wipes, sanitizing sprays. The only way I can break this down simply right now is to say that Jesus's blood sanitizes us, cleanses us inside and out, spiritually in every way from every bit of this sin infection that separates us 
from our Father. Matthew 26, 28 says this. Jesus is actually talking. He says, This is my blood which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. So Jesus is saying his blood forgives you of your sins or has the capacity to. 1 John 1, 7 says this, The blood of Jesus cleanses us from all sin. So Jesus' blood has the capacity to forgive sin and has the capacity to cleanse us or sanitize us, sanitize you from the infection of sin and evil. But why why does Jesus' blood cure us? If you know the Bible well, you know the answer to this. But if you don't, I need to break it down. John 3.16, going back to the love of, of the Father God, says, For God so loved the world, He so loved the world, and He so loves you, that He gave His one and only Son. He sent His one and only Son, that whoever believes in Him will not perish, but have everlasting life. And this is because of His blood. Jesus, as he was sent by God the Father to earth, he chose, Jesus, chose to to give his life as a sacrifice for our sins, to forgive us of our sins, to purify us, cleanse us, to sanitize us from all our sins, even though every one of us deserved spiritual death, to be separated from God. Jesus died in our place so we could have spiritual life connected again to our God, reconciled to our God. Jesus' blood that he poured out on the cross is our hope, is our cure. His blood sets us free from sin and death, cleanses us from sin and death and reconciles us to our Father God. So if you have just realized today that you are infected with this sin virus, with this sin infection, and you've just heard that Jesus, his blood is the cure, you must be asking yourself, how am I supposed to receive his blood for this cure? How can I receive forgiveness and cleansing? How do I receive this cure? Well, if you're asking that, you're, you're, You're asking the right questions because it is, in fact, something we have to receive. It doesn't just happen by itself on its own. Verse 17 of the the passage we read today says this, For all who receive it, speaking of Jesus' sacrifice, His blood, for all who receive it will live in triumph over sin and death through this one man, Jesus Christ. I'm going to read that again. For all who receive it will live in triumph over sin and death through this one man, Jesus Christ. So we who are cleansed from this sin infection will not experience spiritual death. And the text says we need to receive it. So how do we receive it? We clearly don't have... We don't need a vial of Jesus's blood, a needle to give shots of Jesus's blood. That's not the way it works. This is a spiritual dynamic, a spiritual virus that we are treating. But it is all about a response on our part, 
a spiritual, a heart response on our part. So listen carefully. When you respond to God, to his sacrifice, to his cure, to Jesus, when you respond to Jesus by realizing you are infected by sin and need a cure, when you respond by believing Jesus is the son of God and that he died for you to be cleansed and cured of your sin infection, when you respond by asking for forgiveness of your sins, by accepting Jesus as your God and by asking Jesus to come live inside of you, inside of your heart, to guide you and, and, and lead you in your life, you will receive that cure. Jesus' blood will cleanse you and sanitize you inside and out completely so that God the Father sees you once again pure, cleansed, righteous, holy, and set apart just for him as his son or his daughter for eternity. And from that point on, you are cleansed from this sin infection, from sin and evil. You are reconciled, as I mentioned, to your Father God for eternity. And you never hear this, especially in these times. You can stand in confidence that you never have to fear death again. Because as you step out of this body, this physical body one day, the, the Bible says to be absent from this body is to be present with Christ. So when you step out of this body, you will ste- step into the presence of God, the presence of Jesus, the presence of your Father. And in His presence, there is no weeping, there is no pain. There is only grace, mercy, forgiveness, joy, peace, and love. But it's all about a response. It's all about your response. And I'm telling you, as I, if I sent this to you, I, am, I, I sent it to you because I loved you. I love you. And I hope that you will keep listening and respond right now. And if, if somebody sent this to you, it's because they love you. And if you just stumbled upon this, it's not by chance. It's because God, your Father, loves you and wants you to respond. So respond now. There is not a formula in response for you to respond. There's not a formula or a specific prayer that you need to say in order to accept Jesus' sacrifice, in order to be cured of the sin infection and be reconciled to God. It's all about an authentic response to God on your part. But in case you don't know what to say or how to talk to God, I want to give you the opportunity to talk with God and ask Him right now to cleanse you of your infection of sin and evil and have, in order so that you can have a brand new, close relationship with Him for eternity. So if this is something you want, I want to encourage you to repeat after me as I help you through this prayer, through this conversation with God. So let's pray. Go ahead and repeat after me if that's your heart to respond to to Jesus' blood, to his cure for your sin condition right now. 
Repeat after me. Loving God, will you please forgive me for all my sins? I'm so sorry for all the things I've done that have hurt others, that have hurt myself, and for those things especially that have hurt you, Lord. I believe Jesus Christ is your son. I believe that he died for my sins and that you raised him from the dead three days later. And I am choosing today to trust him as my savior. I'm choosing today to trust him as the one who cures me of my sin condition. And I'm choosing today to follow him as the Lord of my life. Guide my life and help me to live the way you want me to. I thank you for forgiving me of all my sin and that the Bible says that I am now a new creation. The old sin infected me is gone and the new me has been born. Thank you, Father God. And I look forward to experiencing your love and peace in this life and to living forever with you and all your children in heaven. Please draw everyone in my family to you, God. that they will give their lives to you and that everyone in my family would receive your blood as their cure for their sin condition. I pray all of this in the loving and powerful name of Jesus. Amen. So if you just prayed the above prayer or the prayer that I just guided you through or one like it to our God, then he and the angels in heaven are celebrating in this very moment. Now that you responded to Jesus and received this cure for your sins, I want to encourage you to connect with other Christians and to find a Christian church to start attending. Even if for now during this during this uh, quarantine time, if it's even over online, um, whatever it takes, connect with some Christians because this is the beginning of your life, your new life in Jesus, and you need people around you to help support you in that. So obviously, we would love to have you join our family at Joy Christian Center in Glendora, California, but if you're not able to do so for some reason, please find yourself a good, loving church near you that is founded on truth, the Bible, 
and is focused on seeking to know God and love Him more. If you have no idea where those kind of churches are and you need some assistance, we can do our best to help you. Um, just reach out to us on our website and we, uh, the contact information is on the website and we'll do our best to help you. Again, for, to get to the contact information or our address, our website is joychristiancenter.com. Again, joychristiancenter.com. And we are located in Glendora, California. There's a couple different Joy Christian Centers. So make sure you either put joychristiancenter.com or if you Google us that you specify in Glendora, California, or else you'll get a different one. And with that said, I want to tell you, God bless you and those you love. I encourage you to tell others about this spiritual infection that exists and how they too can be cured by the blood of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And lastly, if there's someone you love who you believe needs to hear this message, I want to encourage you, please send them the link to this message or encourage them to listen to it on the website or wherever you heard it at. These are times where we are never promised our next day. We can find peace in Jesus and we don't have to fear death because we know we will be in eternity for heaven, I mean, eternity forever with our God in heaven. But not everyone we love has that um, assurance right now. So let's reach out to them, offer them, whether we just tell them about the, the good news that Jesus has to offer us as a cure for our our sin condition or whether we send them a link like this sermon or another sermon that's that you prefer, whatever it takes, reach out to them in these days because we want them to find the cure in our Lord as we have. With that said, I pray for your family in Jesus' name that each of them, that everyone you love would come to know of this sin condition and would come to realize their need for a cure and that they would give their lives to the one who cures them, who cleanses them, who heals them, who restores them and reconciles them to their Father God. I pray that for you, everyone you love and I love. In Jesus' name, amen. Go with God.